Hello and welcome, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anybody who's interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work that they do right here in Iowa. This is Iowa Innovation, powered by NuboCo, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dr. Jennifer Murphy. And I am not a doctor, Rob Merritt. Today, we're talking with Rena Jensen. She is the founder of U Academy, which is a women's only entrepreneurship program. And we're going to talk with her about U Academy, as well as some topics in mental fitness and resilience, which she coaches in and does a lot of work in. And she'll talk about how easy and how hard both of those are. So with that, let's innovate, Iowa. This show is sponsored by Nymaster Good, Iowa's largest law firm with offices in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, and Ames. Nymaster's cutting-edge, positive legal approach has helped businesses of all sizes succeed for more than 100 years. Rob, that's your prompt. Funny joke. I'm scared. With more than 70 practice areas, Nymaster has attorneys with expertise in all areas of the law, including corporate structure, capital raising, intellectual property protection, tax planning, employee benefits, labor and employment law, government relations, and litigation. But oh gosh, there's nothing in here about anything about being fear-related. See, you, you, you've, you've messed with my head now because <laughs> you're putting all this pressure on me to make dad jokes. And now that that pressure is there... I feel like, like, like when we're talking about the law and legal things and stuff like that, I, I feel like there's some kind of bar in the way that's keeping me from, from, uh, from, I mean, I, I don't know what the objection is mm -hmm. in my brain, but, uh, but I just can't, I, 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 I got, I got nothing. Does Nymaster Good have dad jokes? I'm going to bet with a group of lawyers, you're going to find both lawyer jokes and dad jokes. They have more than 70 practice areas. Can yeah. we make 71 and have like a department of dad jokes? <laughs> for, for when those of us throwing out dad jokes get into I trouble. I would seek I out legal it. advice. Uh, I would yeah. be like, hey, my dad joke well has run dry. <laughs> can I set up a meeting and talk with your team about how I can have better dad jokes? Yeah. You know what? I think that's worth contacting Nymaster to find out. And you can do that by visiting www.nymaster.com. That's N-Y-E-Master.com to learn what Nymaster Good can do for you. I bet Nymaster's dad jokes are really good. So we're really excited to have Rena in here with us. And actually, there's a little bit of pressure because uh, Rena has a podcast of her own. So, you know, I feel like we've got to be on our best behavior today because, you know, she's got a frame of reference that we're going to be we're going to be up against. No, 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 no worries. OK, well, <laughs> no I, comparison. Um, so, Rena, you are a regular presence at, at One Million Cups. Yes. Uh, you, you're you uh, you ask a lot of engaging questions and you are uh, we, we can always count on you to be there. Um, I'm sort of curious for just kind of to, to lead us off from an innovation standpoint. Why have you found that event to be uh, an important one to an important one to be at on a regular basis? What are, what are you getting from it that that contributes from like an innovation standpoint? All kinds of knowledge. I wouldn't, there are so many things that I wouldn't know about in the community if I weren't actively involved with One Million Cups for the last, I don't know, what, five, six years? How long have we been? How long has One Million Cups CR existed? Um, and it, it's a great place to meet people and make connections. It's one of my favorite things to do every week. And, and, and speaking of connections, 
you know, that's a big part of, of what you do. Mm-hmm. Can you can you talk a little bit about the consulting work that you do and, and how you help people? Yeah. Uh, so I am a mental fitness and resilience coach. What that means is I help people uh, dig into the subconscious and figure out what's keeping them from achieving whatever it is that they want to do. Uh, in a From a business perspective, we are... Uh, we all strive to accomplish and, and do the things that we need to do, the things that we learned through our experiences as children and our developed coping mechanisms. Well, those coping mechanisms affect the way that we run business. They affect our relationship with money. They affect our um, desire to put ourselves out there. And if we can adjust those to uh operate in a way that is more beneficial for ourselves and our families and our lives and our clients and our our um, vendors, then, I mean, how is that bad? <laughs> and, it, and it sounds great on paper. My question, though, is how hard is it to actually put that into practice? Like, how hard is it to actually get people to be like, you're right, I do need to change my way of thinking. Um, like, do you find that people are pretty receptive to that message or do you find that it's a lot of work to get people there? I have made a lot of efforts to make sure that the people that are coming to me are ready for that kind of change. So for me, that's not difficult. But when I first started out, I absolutely had imposter syndrome and was like, no one's going to believe me. And um, that that changed over time because I'm, I changed over time. And so um, I don't find it. I, I do find that people are like, mm, can you really make that happen in like five minutes? Yes. Yes, I can. Um, actually you can, and, um, I can help you do that. Well, I think that's one of the misconceptions about coaching, right? Is that somehow you have the magic solution right. to this work and that's not really what it is, right? I it's mean, not. coaching is about guiding people to your point. It's yeah. not that you do that work in five minutes. It's that you open up the possibility for them to do that work in five minutes. Right. right? And, and open up the possibility for them to believe that they can. Right. Because that's the, the most powerful piece. Right. We, yeah. and we can consciously believe something, but subconsciously we're like, no way. There's no way that's going to work. And so when we get to the subconscious piece of it, then everything changes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, I used to teach this class out at Kirkwood, and one of the topics that would come up almost inevitably is uh, fear of success, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's that disconnect between the conscious and the unconscious mind. The conscious mind that's like, well, sure, I could go and do that. And the unconscious mind is like, yeah, but what if we actually do it? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. What if it works? Right. Oh, my God. Everything I know now will change. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's a fear of letting go of, of the person that we know we are. Right. Because as we make those changes, the, then we inevitably change. And with that change comes changes within our environment. And though that's also scary. Change is scary. And so we have to have the courage to make the changes necessary to live the life that we want to live. Yeah. What would you tell someone who is like, all right, you know what, I, I've been in my career for like 30 years and it's too late for me to go back to school or change what I'm doing or, but goddamn, I'm just so miserable. Like, what would you yeah. tell somebody in that situation? And um, I'm paying very close attention to this question because <laughs> at Delta V, we yeah, deal with we deal this with question it. constantly mm-hmm. where we're trying mm-hmm. to convince people, hey, yeah. it's not too late to completely change what yeah. you do. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm curious your response too. Um, I don't convince anybody of anything. Yeah. I simply ask, is this how you want to continue to live or not? Right. And if you're comfortable in this, then great. I, I wish you well and all the best. Yeah. 
Yeah. But if you're not and you actually want to make changes, then let's make them. Yeah. Anybody can change. Old, that, um, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Like That's yeah. totally accurate. You, you were saying something before about how when you started this, you very strongly had imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think a lot of our <laughs> listeners can relate yeah. to that. I know I can relate to that. Not me. Um, I've always known exactly <laughs> who I am, <laughs> what I'm going to do. I have full faith and confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why do you think that imposter syndrome is so prevalent in the business world like why are we conditioned to believe that we're not good enough or that we don't belong why, why do you think that is our experiences because the, a lot of us are taught to believe that we're not x y and z or that we are a b and z and uh, when we change something then there's that element of mm, first of all this isn't safe to change and second um, I don't have any experience and no one's gonna listen to me And I had personally, um, I would have, at the time, I considered it two failed businesses. And then I went into business coaching and I was like, that's why no one's, you failed twice. But really those two experiences were necessary for me to have the knowledge that I have now and make the connections and do the work and um, self-reflect so that I can help other people do the same thing. And how did you make that breakthrough? Like at what point did you, for yourself, mm-hmm. kind of be like, you know what? I, I am good at this. I, I do have a place in this industry um, because I think that's a that can be a difficult place to get to. How did you get there? Uh, so in 2018, I learned about adverse childhood experiences. And if you aren't familiar with that, you can Google it, ACEs, um, ACEs test. And there are 10 criteria that they... Uh, gauge. And if you've experienced these things, um, the number that you've experienced determines the adversity in your childhood. And when I first took that test, I I had a score of four. And uh, it said one to three. What's the scale? Um, There's 10. So yes, I experienced this. No, I didn't. So I I said yes, I experienced to four things. And um, the scale said one to three, you had like a normal, decent childhood, right? Four or more. And I was like... (laughs) Right on the edge. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, and so I started, on, that's where the, the resilience piece came from, um, understanding that and how that, uh, like how I survived my childhood um, and how that relates to business. Because I was a New York Life agent and I had hired two coaches and both of them were phenomenal and um, helped me in a lot of ways, but neither of them were able to get to the root of why I didn't want to make the phone calls or why I didn't want to promote myself and be like, hey, I can help you with your life insurance needs. I was very, very uncomfortable with that. And so I knew that if I'm feeling that, I'm not the only one. So then when my retail store closed after I left uh, New York Life, it was the universe's way of saying, okay, now are you ready to help other people in this way that you know you can? And I was like, no. <laughs> and then yes. Yeah. I know that um, when, you know we mentioned one million cups earlier, and I know that when you have gone, that uh, mental health is an issue that you regularly ask guests about. Yeah, uh, their core uh, values and how they survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that? If for you, why is that a priority to to bring up at each at each week's conversation? Uh, because I think a lot of people don't talk about mental health in the business world. It's it's mm-hmm. about success. And, right. you know, um, 
why do you think it's important to take time to talk about that, uh, especially for like young startup businesses, people who are working their tail off to make something happen and maybe are, are not put, not making other things a priority because business is their big focus? Right. Um, because business is personal, to, especially to the person that is running and owning and it's their life. And everything else can get easily pushed to the side. And that's not healthy. We uh, will never achieve the kind of balance that we say we want. It's just not possible. But we can achieve a rhythm that is beneficial to the success of their business, their su the success of their relationships, and everything in between. Yeah, because if you look at that, <clears throat> the difference in roles between like an entrepreneur and an intrapreneur, you know, we have this great graph that or this great chart that we show um, when we're talking about that at Nuboco, and it's you know, there's these three elements of risk, action, and reward. Rawr. Um, <laughs> going back to our Bruce Moore recording, um, but there's you know, this risk, action, and reward, and when you're when you're an entrepreneur, all of that is yours, you know, mm -hmm. and you're hanging on to all of that. And so depending on how risk averse or risk tolerant you are is how much stress you're dealing with that. Right. Depending on the volume of actions you're having to take within the, the time that you have, there's stress with that. Right. The reward is also stressful because, you know, my over decade in entrepreneurship, it's like, where's, where's the next money coming from is mm -hmm. one stressor. The other stressor, you know, is in my family, you yeah. know, my son constantly like, mom, oh my God, are you on the phone again? Yeah. You know, there's, and so there's so many things. Whereas when you're in a, a corporate environment, you can still think like an entrepreneur and, and we encourage that mightily, um, but you, know, you can still think that way, but there's a shared, you know, risk action reward. Now, depending on the culture of that organization, that is more or less toxic, right. but there is, you know, there is a sense of collaboration and sharing that you don't see in an entrepreneur who tends to carry that load by themselves. And they are <clears throat> carrying the internal stress. They're fighting right. within themselves right. of what's the next best thing. Mm -hmm. And then f and putting that, pitting that against, uh, this is the advice that I'm getting or not. Right. right. So all of that struggle is is internalized on a daily basis. And if there are ways that you can help yourself to minimize that internal struggle so all of the external stuff is easier, then why not do it? And one of those is core values. And so I, I, I've been asking that a lot since uh, since last June, um, no, last May, the second class of the U Academy that I created and um to watch the women that went through the U Academy implement, discover and implement the their core values within their businesses and how easy it was for them to make changes in their business and their lives accordingly because things just didn't align with their core values was magical, absolutely magical. I'm glad you brought up U Academy because I, I, uh, I was meaning to ask you about that. I was at your presentation three, four months ago at One Million February. Cups? February. Mm -hmm. February? Okay. Mm -hmm. Duh. I can't do math. It's okay. I don't know where we are. Math is hard. That's why we podcast. I have a newborn <laughs> at home. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Like people have to tell me today is Saturday. And I'm like, really? Because I have no sense of time right. anymore. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Is today Tuesday? Mm -hmm. I can't believe I even made it to the studio. I, I you know, I, I would, I thought Saturday Night Live was on. I am you so were confused. seconds away from getting a phone call right before you got here. Too. I, so. I texted Logan. I said, I'm coming. 
I had kid things. Yeah, like that, yeah, you can't keep a schedule when you have a newborn at home. It's impossible. You cannot. Right. If, you, can, if you. you make it to something within 20 minutes of when you were supposed to be there, yes. it's a miracle. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but no, I, I... So anyway, back to our yes, guest. Yes, but back to the question <laughs> at hand. Yes. Uh, way back in times that my brain can't figure out, uh, which apparently was three months ago, uh, you presented at One Million Cups and, and you talked about U Academy. And, yes. uh, and it was a... It's a fascinating program. Uh, can you... For for those of our, our listeners who are not familiar with with U Academy, can you can you first talk about what U Academy does, and then we'll get into how it came to be. Yes, absolutely. So the U Academy is a women's entrepreneur program, business academy, and it is a nine month program from April to December, and uh, we focus on the things that women business owners need to understand about themselves, their lives, and their businesses. So last month, April was our first uh, session, and we talked about menstrual cycles. And we talked about core coping mechanisms. And then in June, we'll talk about um, that that ever-elusive sense of balance and um, uh, core values. <laughs> and <laughs> something. And uh, something. I do that too. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then in a couple of months, we'll talk about self-promotion and how to do that. Um, those are things that, that I have not seen in any other type of business setting is the human aspect of business. And to keep those two things separate is just ridiculous at this point. And how did, so so then how did that come about? I mean, how did you Academy, where did the idea come from? And then how did you put it into practice? So I had attended a, a business thing and it was a seven month program and there were, it was all women. Was and this a, a local program or a national? It one? was a local program, local to Iowa. So it was in Des Moines. And um, there were lots of great things that I got from it, but I noticed that it was there was nothing in there that I needed as a solopreneur. And they had a lot of men come in and tell us how to do certain things. And I was like, I, there's, a, there's a disconnect here. So everything about the academy is taught by women, um, thought of by women, and it, it's just a very unique female perspective. So how it came about was I had I had that experience and I had seen other uh, cohorts come come and go and realize that none of them were discussing the human piece. And I don't I'm not on board with that anymore. <laughs> so I was like I can do this and I can do it better. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kendra, who is the CEO of U Conferences and her and I had uh, worked together from the very start of U Conferences in 2018, I said this would be a great thing for our community so we can go from two conferences per year to one conference per year and then we can support the women in our community through this program. And uh, she'll say, no, like she, like she fought it, but she really didn't. She was like, that sounds amazing. How do we make this happen? But we need to be really clear and careful and, and uh, do our research. And so we did. And we had our first cohort complete last year, our beta. And it was, it was the most magnificent thing that I had ever experienced, got to be a part of, and um, watch. Yeah. And and why is that? You say, I mean, if it was, uh, was it the, like, what was happening in the room that makes you call it a beautiful experience? Was it the experiences people were bringing or was it the lessons that mm -hmm. were being taught? What yes. was it that, that made it. you say, wow? <laughs> All of that. Um, the, when they, the very first session, of course, everybody comes in and they're like, 
I don't know what to expect. And we're going to talk about menstrual cycles. Okay. Um, but they all opened up. They all worked together. They all shared their experiences. And the women from the community that we had come in and teach the things that we are not experts in, um, those connections were made. Business was garnered from to and from. And they have all made the changes that they said they wanted to make and then some. And I, I mean, I would love to give the Academy 100% credit for that, but I can't because they did the work. We just provided a place for them to do that. And, and being that place is the beautiful piece. How many participants were in your first cohort? Uh, we had seven total. So we had a space for 10. We received 11 applications. We accepted nine women. And then two of them, for life reasons, dropped out um, before the first session. So we had seven. And so going forward, uh, first of all, how often do cohorts happen? And, and second, if there is someone who wants to apply for the next one, mm -hmm. uh, what do they have to do? Uh, so Cohorts are once per month for four hours, so it's a massive time commitment for nine months. And then we have two workshops that are mostly optional but highly encouraged so that we can group think a couple of things. Um, and then what was the other question? <laughs> oh, and if someone wants to be oh, part of that cohort, what do they do? Yeah, so they can go to the U Conferences website and look for the Academy and get the information on the through there. The application is, of course, closed because we've already started this year's cohort. Um, but next year, it, they can they can apply in January of next year. So it's interesting because there is a lot of research out there that says that um, for development of leadership skills, entrepreneurial skills, everything else, that women's only programming is crucial. And <clears throat> I was speaking at a conference earlier this year, and I was sharing some of this information with one of our previous guests, Mo Collins, who is like I know Mo, my personal freaking hero mm -hmm. and thought partner in so many amazing things. Yeah. But she and I were talking about this with a group of women, and um, we were talking about this notion of needing women's only programming, needing, um, you know, this kind of stuff. And, and this isn't a new idea, you know. I mean, this is this is proven. And um, it was interesting to me how many women in the room uh, rejected that notion and didn't want to have women's only program. And the thought, the reason that people tend to reject that is, you know, well, we want this equity with men. We want to have this equitable experience with men. Um, and, I, and I agree. I, I, yes. I, I believe that that is true. I believe that those things should be on parity. However, what tends to happen based on the research that's been done out there is when you get men and women in these kinds of environments together, um, tends to be predominantly male instructors, tends to be, yeah. um, you know, the message is male. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is a, a huge benefit to be a, as a woman who has got an idea that she doesn't want mansplained to her. And I'm sorry, men, if that offends you, but that is what happens. How yes. dare you? <laughs> I know. Let me tell you why that is a terrible thing to say. And Rob, I appreciate that. Because, and honestly, you know, in different ways, that's how people will react to, mm -hmm. you know, women's ideas. And yeah. I mean, I remember going to, you know, and I, I think I was fortunate, but when I made the leap from corporate America into my own business and I talked, first of all, I talked to my boss about it, my my direct line supervisor. And I was like, Sean, this is what I'm going to go and do. I'm going to go start my own business. And I explained to him what I was going to go and do. And he was like, okay, uh, uh, oh, okay, okay. 
and he like he got up and he walked out and he came back in like 30 seconds later he's like tell me again what you're doing because now I have to go tell Rich about this who was our VP Mm -hmm. and I was like I was like yeah and so I explained it all to him again he's like okay so you're gonna leave this really well paying job in corporate strategy to go sell rocks I was like yeah that's (laughs) totally what I'm gonna go and do and he was like okay so then like 10 minutes later my boss rich knocks on my door he's like hey can we talk right (laughs) but it was interesting at the time because i had my coo at the time was my mentor and he um i went into his office and i was like hey here's what i'm gonna do and you know he was i think probably the most supportive of everyone in that whole process which was awesome because he was like you know if i was in your position he's like i wish i could go back to where you are right now and do the exact same thing he's like i'm retiring in six months and here's my plan and he had this whole grand plan and it was amazing but it was interesting to me this reaction that the men that I worked with had and how diverse it was. And I think it's there are men out there who are willing to be supportive, but there have been so many. I'm going on a long soapbox here. I apologize. But there have been so many experiences, I think, that women who do have ideas, who do want to be entrepreneurs, have had with men, you know, in various ecosystems, not just here in Eastern Iowa, but in various ecosystems that tell them, Oh, it's eh, not right. really a real business. Right. You know? So, and that sucks. And, and it's. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it is. It's complete. I don't BS. know if swearing yeah, is yeah. okay, but it's. But on this show, we bleep our curses. Okay. So I'll, I'll not do that. Um, I, well, you can I, curse all you want. It'll just, it'll sound like South Park. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Which can actually make yeah. it funnier, I've found. So I was one of those women that mm-hmm. didn't think that there was a need for different programming but as I've watched uh the needs of women be overlooked for so long I realized that that we have to we have Mm -hmm. to have because we are not men yeah we are hormones are different which is why we talk about our menstrual cycles Mm -hmm. and this idea that uh we should stay together is not working the way that people have wanted it to work and uh there's a book this is an amazing book my friend alex who created the agenda period Mm -hmm. uh which i say every time i can plug it i do (laughs) um she's actually the one that talks about the menstrual cycles in the in the academy um she recommended this book to me and it's called invisible women and there's a a subtitle that i can't think of the data gap in something something and that book is fascinating at how the world functions because they don't take into consider consideration the needs of women. And go, go read the book. Even if you are a feminist and, and you're like, I, I get it, read it because then you will really get it. Um, so when, when the academy was actually going to be a thing, I knew that it, if it was going to succeed and it was going to disrupt the status quo, which I love to do, then it needed to be all women. It needed to have the focus of the things that women need. And I could not be happier with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, and, and I think it's a great initiative to have programs like there out that, uh, programs like this out there. Woof. Mm-hmm. Every time, English is hard. There's got to be one <laughs> phrase that I can't get out of my mouth correctly. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, but it's, 
and I think it's it's not just about the way that we that we as women operate. I think it's also about the kinds of businesses that women are more likely to be attracted to. It's not that they aren't because women can go out and do tech startups all day long. We can go read, go lead, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies all day long. As women can be president. Sorry, said it here. Um, but not you know, <laughs> we can do all these things. Um, and you know what it what we've shown is women are more likely to go into things like lifestyle businesses, service mm-hmm. businesses, businesses that have an impact. And again, it's not that men don't and it's not that men won't. It's that that tends to be where women want to go. And it's not um, I don't think that's a bad thing. What I think challenges us within our ecosystems and what challenges us from an innovative perspective is the idea that those businesses aren't, the strength of an ecosystem and that they're not the most valuable pieces of an ecosystem. And I think when we start to try to hierarchically order things that way, we run into challenges and we start to get into this exclusionary um, kind of ecosystem, which I don't think we need here in Iowa. Like I think I think there are enough things that can divide us across this state that our entrepreneurial ventures should not be one of them. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. sorry. I feel really preachy today. I'm sorry. Women and entrepreneurship are my thing. So yeah. And you don't have to apologize to me. Like, <laughs> I love the passion. We we're similar in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And and um, when Alex was first starting the agenda, she had gone through a uh, business academy type thing. And one of the mentors in her class, who was her mentor, said, I just don't think this is a viable product. It's mm-hmm. too niche. Right. And she said, well, half the population menstruates, so explain to me how it's niche. Right. And I don't remember what his response was, but he, he ended up. Of course up- it was a dude. I was like, I was like, it's the guy that said this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely it was. And... um. You know, that's just one of the things that we that we run into. But understanding how my hormones affect my desire to do work has been an absolute game changer for me. So why not include that in yeah. a women's business academy? Yeah. And oh, by the way, men also have hormonal cycles that influence the way they, they do. do business. But it's not on a 28-day cycle. <laughs> it's, it's on, on a 24-hour yeah. cycle. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there, I mean, but it's funny, though, because there's always that attribution to women. Oh, you're so hormonal. I'm like, have you met a man? Right. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> we are not over-emotional. If right. you would like a demonstration, come hang out for 24 hours at my house with my 15-year-old kid. <laughs> right. And, you know, to to couple that with our coping mechanisms, we're a hot mess and yeah. we got to figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. we, meaning the collective of humans, we are yeah. a hot mess and yeah. we don't understand our emotions, let alone have the ability to accurately express them, especially in the moment that we are experiencing them. Yeah. And men are very emotional, but typically their emotion is anger mm-hmm. and based in fear or an unknowing not being in charge. Yeah. It's a fear of, of getting or not getting something you want or don't want. Well, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. us us dudes, we are coached from an early age to yeah. suppress those things because yes, they're yeah. viewed as weakness. If yeah. you, you know, and especially in a business world, if you show fear or regret, like like there is a lot of people who think it's a major mistake to apologize for anything because that shows weakness. Like even if you know you were wrong, mm-hmm. don't say anything because you know that opens you up to attack. And so there are people who will never apologize 
apologize for anything. Right. And so or never admit not knowing something. That too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so it's it's very much ingrained. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely guys are emotional, but but we're definitely told not to do not to let anyone know about that. Right. And to not embrace, you know, all sides of this equation and recognize that that is, that's just reality. It's not right or wrong. There's just a reality there. Mm-hmm. Really limits us in our ability to innovate and see things differently, right. to open up and ask questions and be curious and find new ways of doing things. And I think that's really at the heart of the challenge with all of this is that when we start to try to bucket, classify, define, you know, say generalizations about any group of people, we run into this, well, now now Rob is defined as this, Rena's defined as this, and that's all they are. Right. And that's really dangerous in a bad way in my book. Mm-hmm. I think there's good danger and that's a whole other podcast. But I think that there is, you know, there's bad danger. And I think that that, that danger of not opening up to possibility is, is a really limiting thing, mm-hmm. you know. I was thinking about what you were talking about with the relationship to childhood trauma and um, the relationship to um, some of the work in positive psychology. And there's just this really interesting piece of research that was published out there ages ago. Um, I think I'm trying to, uh, Sonia, um, shoot, her last name's going to escape me. We'll put it in the show notes. But either way, she um, did some research that showed like where our happiness comes from. And so 50% of your happiness is genetic set point. So you're born with this predisposition to or away from happiness. It's about 50% of the makeup. Is the other 50% puppies? No. (laughs) 40% 40% of it is. I, was say, <laughs> so, I have some questions about the yeah. scientific accuracy of this study. Yeah. And, so, and then like 10% of that is around your circumstance. So were you born in Iowa? Were you born in California? Right. Were you born in a third world country? Were you born, what socioeconomic status, religious background, all those things, right, that you just kind of show up to. And that's part of your programming. You know, and you were talking yeah. about that, those things that show up. And Don Miguel Ruiz talks about that too. And I always find that fascinating, that really like from the moment of preconception, you're being programmed. You are. <laughs> and, you know, and so how that programming impacts how you feel later in life about yourself actually impacts then the other 40%, which is choice. So whether you embrace puppies or not. So Rob, you were not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So 40%. So when I'm teaching that to groups of people, what I always, you know, my, my tagline or my takeaway from that is freaking live in the 40%. Live in the choice. So every single day you have a choice to embrace this idea that, you know, women operating on a hormonal cycle is not a huge freaking deal. It, it's, you know? No, it, it's an amazing thing, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, women running lifestyle businesses, not a big deal. Women's only programming, not a threat to anything. Right. You know, like there's Women's all these tech. things. Yeah, mm-hmm. women in tech, amazing, let's do it, mm-hmm. you know? So we've got... You know, that 40%, that choice, I just think is so relevant to, you know, the work you're doing with people and how they decide to engage with their own limits, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're giving them a choice. Hey, I can help guide you through a path that's going to get you out of where you're at. Right. Your choice. Right. You know, and if I want to stay stuck, then that's my choice too. Right. It it is absolutely about choice. And that's part of the reason why I don't convince anybody to work Mm -hmm. with me or join the academy or come to a U conference. Right. Because it's your choice. Right. Here here are all the reasons why I'm doing X, Y, and Z. If you want to join me in this, fantastic. Let's party. Yeah. We were talking about that concept of attraction instead of promotion or push versus pull with another group I'm a part of yesterday. And I do think that that – that idea that, hey, I've got something here for you. 
if you'd like it, you know, fresh mm-hmm. baked cookies right here, right. <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> whatever your version of fresh baked cookies are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I th- it is, you know, to your point, I think it's people have to choose and they, they have, have to, to be choose. in it. Yeah. And our subconscious rules our lives 95% of the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a great quote by Carl Jung that says, uh, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Yeah. And when I, the first time I heard that, I was like, that's so true and so to really take that kind of control over ourselves and make the decision to not allow our subconscious programming to rule our lives until we make that decision then we're going to continue to act as though we don't have control over anything yeah yeah so what's the future of you academy so today one cohort a year five years from now what does it look like world domination well obviously (laughs) i mean (laughs) come on what's the secret sauce Um, you know that's a great question since you academy is under the umbrella of the you conferences there is a certain level of limitation what is it that we as a community are willing to do with the academy Uh, If it were solely up to me, there would be variations of the academy for leadership, Mm. um, for women in fill in the blank, um, because not everything that we do in the academy is needed within an organization or a corporation. Um, But definitely it would be the standard of for all business institutes, academies, venture schools, whatever the case may be. Again, because the outdated, antiquated idea of this is how businesses run is not going to survive. Right. All right. That sounds like a really good final thought. Rob, <laughs> what's your takeaway from today? <clears throat> uh, well, I mean, the conversations like these are always a really good learning opportunity. I, I, uh, I was there when Alex gave her presentation for uh, – for the period agenda mm-hmm. at uh, she was agenda period agenda, agenda period. period sorry mm-hmm. come on uh, Rob I, 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 <laughs> newborn <laughs> uh, yeah no I, but I was there uh, when she presented for the Iowa Startup Accelerator and I you know and and it was fascinating because you know it's it's so often preached hey men and women are you know we're not different and you shouldn't be treating anyone differently and here was suddenly someone who was saying no we are different mm-hmm. and you know and and it wasn't a message that was just directed to other women it was very much a message that was also directed to men in the workplace saying hey you need to know this you need to understand this uh not so that you can make really really lame jokes about yours at that time of the month no it's so that you can actually you know work with somebody in a in a good productive way and understand hey we are different here uh this is this is how to be the most productive we can be and i was like that's that's fascinating uh and i really liked her presentation so i feel like you know these are things that you know speaking as you know speaking as a a straight white male I, i am in the workplace mostly in a position of learning at this point, learning and listening. And so conversations like these are, are great for me. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm glad we're having them. Yeah, me too. And I know that we said that, that was a final thought, but I have to share this one other thing. Um, when it comes to women in business and our menstrual cycles, there is a part of the luteal phase that's referred to as day 24 energy or day 23 energy. And 
that is the day that we have the most audacity to do the things that we wouldn't normally do. Like that is the day that we would reach out to the people that we are afraid to reach out and make the big asks of because we have no cares, (laughs) none. Like I am tired of this. I want this thing and I'm going to get it. And then we plan that around, uh, we plan then the the follow-up meeting around our ovulation phase because that's when we're most attractive, literally physically changing so that people are like, hey, I kind of like her. She's kind of cool. What One day every month? Yes. No, I get it. <laughs> every month, one day, uh, there's Megan just watching Michael Bay movies for no apparent reason. <laughs> that, that's not and the same now thing. now I understand. That's not the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, you're just doing what you really want to do today. Got it. That's probably the first day of her menstrual cycle. <laughs> this day is the day before that or two days before that. <laughs> There's a, a book that uh, speaks to some of what uh, yeah, Rob was just – what's your name? Um, what Rob was just talking about. I don't even about. know anymore. I don't even know and what day it is. And they've published a whole body of research around it and a bunch of um, I think there's a follow-up now too but it's by Brad Johnson and David Smith called Athena Rising and um, it's a really great book about how men can engage with women in the workplace the danger that I found in that book having this discussion with men is it quickly turns to you know um, putting some of the responsibility on the women to manage these mentorship relationships with men and it's so silly to me because that's not the message in the book and so I do encourage people to take a look at that book if you are a man and you're trying to figure out how do I ally like how do I get away from this thought of oh she's in a bad mood is it that time of the month like those kinds of ridiculous minimalizing minimalized is that a word Mm -hmm. I, I just made it up minimizing kind of things that that we tend to see um but it and it also I think though the what the book also talks about is how to open up those relationships that can create innovation and can create new thought patterns and new ways of approaching situations and so just listen to that discussion made me think about that quite a bit um you know so I thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. So if people did, you mentioned the U Conferences website. What is that website? Uconferences.com. Okay. And then if they want to reach out to you specifically, where are the places they find you? They can find me at renajensen.com, which is outdated information, but still very accessible (laughs) Um, (laughs) because that's not my priority. Um, I am on LinkedIn, uh, Rena Jensen. Facebook is Rena Jensen Resiliency Coach. Instagram is Rena L. Jensen. And then my email is Rena at Rena Jensen. All right. Great. So reach out to Rena. That's, that's your tagline right there. Reach out to Rena. Reach out to Rena. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> why I'm not in marketing. And Rob is. <laughs> Rob, what's my tagline? Quick. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, hey, hey, uh, hey, Rena. Uh, where does a mansplainer get his water? From a well, actually. <laughs> and that's all we have for you today, folks. Oh Thanks, Rena. Thank <laughs> Thanks you. for being a good sport. <laughs> Thanks so much to our guest, Rena Jensen, for coming on the show today. Remember, you can find her at all the social media locations that she shared with us earlier. And she's also got her own podcast called Not Just Pretty Faces. So definitely go ahead and check that out. 
Did you learn anything from the show? Did you have a good time listening to the show? If any of those are true, please subscribe and leave us a review. And you can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog, to find key takeaways from today, summarized and detailed. Heck, I might even put my mansplaining joke in there. (laughs) This podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Media Group. For more information, go to lasmediagroup.com. And finally, we would love it if you think about making a donation to NuboCo because your contributions to our nonprofit are what help us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs across the state. If you want to learn more, visit nubo.co slash donate. And Rob, maybe next time you could just keep your jokes to yourself. Uh, that, that hurts me. <laughs> Those jokes are important to me. I feel like they add color commentary to these very heavy, heavy discussions. Well, I mean, you are a dad now, so maybe you dad joke next time? Uh, I am the master of dad jokes. Can I do dad jokes? You can. Uh, You all are in so much trouble now. (laughs) 